I'm going to begin. I said I was going to do it First Corinthians six. I want to. The Lord gave me this verse. We've been singing all about this. The one oneness, one in Christ. And I want to just say a prayer because we're going to take us about three, four stops through this message to receive, to release, to receive, and to release. And I believe, and then receive. I think it'll probably be like something of that nature. Breathe in, breathe out. Pick up, let, pull, throw down. And um, uh, so I'm going to start with the receiving part in the beginning. So Heavenly Father, I pray that we are, oh, we are, we are just loved. Wow, what a credible grace of worship we had today, and your spirit resting so wonderfully. Thank you that this company called Jubilee, which is the living body of Christ that gathers here under the name Jubilee, both here in this sanctuary and on homes and, and all around the world now, people that are part of us. We just declare that we are the family of God that found ourselves on the earth, and unique tribe of pursuers, of intercessors, of God-seekers, that you called us 40, uh, 39 years ago to be a house of prayer for all nations and have led us uh, through the terrible wilderness of life on earth, learning to partner with you, live in you, rest in you, trust you, and legislate and rule and reign with you. Help us today. Lord, this is a day you've ordained to bring us into the truth of oneness and dismantle all levels of division it, that would take from you all the fullness of what you've given us. Help us, Holy Spirit. You're the one who announces all the things that have been freely given us, and you only speak what Jesus says to say. And so we just, we're ready. We're ready. We're, we're ready for this next season. We're ready. We're ready to to come out of the crises that seem to want to just come upon it one after another into the healing and prosperity and the move of God and even the awakening of God in the hearts of his, your church to come alive. So here we go. Help us. In Jesus' name, help me. Amen. So First uh, Corinthians 6, uh, 17. But he who is joined... To the Lord is one spirit with him. I love the word join, and we're going to look at that for a few minutes. The word joined means to be glued together. It's where we also get the word cleave for this cause. A husband, man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. It's joined, super glued, never to be separated. So if you'll allow me, uh, Chris, I'm going to just give you a few scriptures so we can see this from its origin. Genesis Chapter 2, verse 23. Once you get there, I'll, I'll read from up there. Genesis chapter 2, verse 23, please. Um, and Adam said, this is when he got to meet his wife <laughs> after a long nap. <laughs> this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined 
to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Next uh, will be 1 Corinthians, or excuse me, Matthew 19.6. Diana, if you can just, I'll give you the other ones while he's, you're going to, Matthew 19.6, then we're going to go to Ephesians 5.31, and uh, finally we'll be at Hebrews 13.4. So Matthew 19, verse 6, and if you're writing them down, you're welcome to also Ephesians 5.31, and then Hebrews 13.4. So, so then, this is Jesus speaking on the, at the Sermon on the Mount. The, the constitution of the kingdom, the decree, the, the heart of the king is being revealed that will now become the, the manner in which the entire kingdom operates. This is who God is. This is who our king is. So then, they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together let no man separate. I believe in verse 5, it probably said, uh, he shall join his, uh, for this cause, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. So this marriage picture was leaving a, a relationship you were born into the earth through, father and mother, into a relationship you were join, being joined together, glued together again, glued together, and now that you've been glued together, let no man separate. And in the gluing becomes one flesh, not two. So then the next one is, I think, he, uh, what did I say? Ephesians 5.31. This, uh, I'll back up probably a few verses. Did you get it? Okay. For this reason, a man shall leave... Now, let's go back to verse 28. This is because now we're, we're stepping back into the two shall become, we're joined together, we're one spirit with the Lord. So if you'll go to, yeah, that's fine. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So now we've been told that we are one spirit with the Lord, one flesh, and one bones. And there is some real power. I've been meditating and accepting truth that I am one flesh with Jesus, one bones with Jesus. I'm bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, which is really cool because he's now got a resurrected bones and a resurrected flesh. So that's exciting. And I'm one spirit with the Lord because the Bible says so. I don't, because I'm not, not necessarily because I can prove it, but I receive it. That's how faith comes. You accept revelation being given that you see in Scripture, the Spirit of God rests upon it, and you say, okay, I receive it. I receive that's truth. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. So marriage that we know on earth is a depiction of the marriage that we have been brought into with Christ. And we have left our father and mother of Adam and sin and who we were to be 
enter into this oneness, this union, this relationship with Christ. And it's, it's I, I'm, I'm convinced there's so much that's going to in, uh, enable, uh, allow us to, to move with a greater level of maturity coming, the days coming. So the last one was Hebrews 13. I believe I think I said three. Uh, four. Hebrews 13, four. So, all right. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. Aren't you glad about that? Somebody ought to say amen. <laughs> There's a place that's safe and wonderful and blessed. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Okay, so now we're going to deal with the getting rid of stuff. And I will go quickly through this, but then we will take advantage of the anointing of God and the Word of God to receive the benefit of truth to allow us to have the fullness of oneness and uninterrupted un fellowship with Jesus. First John says uh, that the fellowship we have is with the Father and with the Son. And the fellowship we have with the Father and the Son is in walking in light. And walking in light is observing his ways, the light that Jesus emanates, that we understand. And if we uh, walk in darkness, then we're not in fellowship. But if we confess our sin or whatever place we've missed the mark, then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. No ifs, ands, buts about it. We have to understand what we're about to let God touch us in is entirely empowered because of one thing, that God dealt with everything on his son. Nothing, nothing, nothing can follow you into your life when called upon the name of the Lord. He is faithful he is just to forgive our sin and cleanse us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He goes on in 1 John chapter 1. He says, some who say, well, I, I haven't sinned. I don't have sin. He say, well, you're just making, you are deceived and you're making God a liar. But if you walk in the fellow, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, you have fellowship one with another and his blood is cleansing you from all sin. We come in the boldness inside the blood. We are accepted inside the blood. We're being welcomed into the presence of God in the blood through Christ that we are not even aware of some of the stuff. It's like a beautiful family. When you've got a really lot of love and the, and the capacity to show love, you can, you can allow a lot of stuff to happen and just cover it with love. You can let someone like, that, you know, that you're that you're in your family. They've got bad breath. And you don't need to go tell them, go brush your teeth. Because it's just, would be more helpful just to, that's not the issue we're talking about. This person's finally sharing a true state of their heart. The state of their mouth, odor, is less important than the state of the heart. So you see, God's always doing that with me. I'm thankful that he's always working on something for me to come to see and receive. So we go on. 
Uh, if you'll go back with me now to 1 Corinthians, uh, where we started, but we'll, we'll back up a couple verses. Chapter 6, verse 12. Here is a, here is a principle, and this one's going to be so powerful. Looking forward, I'm not looking forward to bringing it up, but I am looking forward to what God's going to do. All things are lawful for me, Paul is speaking. He does this in chapter 10. Also, he mentions, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. When the Lord dealt with our transgression, he also dealt with the certificate of ordinances, or known as the law, that were written against us, that, made, that, that, that inspired sin rather than expiring it. It could not resolve it. That's why Christ had to come and the law was not our resolution. But, and as we know, that if uh, the law, the, the, the sting of death is sin, but the strength of sin is the law. So now all things are lawful. Paul's having to admit all things are lawful. I, and he'll illustrate this to help the body grow up in maturity. Later in Romans, he'll say, well, some can eat the meat that was sold in the marketplace after it had been offered to an idol, but now it's just being repackaged, and they don't have a problem because it's already just going to be sanctified by prayer and thanksgiving. And others are going, oh, I, I could never do that. And he called that two different levels of faith or conscience. And he said the goal is never to get into conflict with each other and force one another to something their conscience does not give them permission to. So the, the lawfulness of what we can do. All, can, all of us can observe the feast. And some, one, one of us can say, I don't, I don't care about the feast. Every day to me is Jesus. And they're both right. Because we're no longer known in these kinds of constrict, uh, uh, external measurements. We read in, in, in when we went through Matthew, that Jesus took the entire commandments and turned them from externals to internals, which is even, is not, he said, you know, you told you weren't to, you weren't to, um, to, love, your, to love your friends and hate your enemies. And I say, if you, you hate anyone, you're a murderer. And then he goes on, he says, he said, you were told not to commit adultery, but if you look at a woman and lust after her with your eyes, your, with your heart, you already did commit adultery. So he turned everything from external measurement to an internal heart, which is why we have to, as loving believers, give God time and access to my heart. Otherwise, my heart will just lend itself to wickedness and deceitfulness and will enjoy just kind of having its own conversation without letting God come to me and release me through the softening of my heart to obey him into a new place he's taking me. So he says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. There is so much liberty in meditating that. And again, it's repeated in chapter 10. And, uh, but let's go on. Foods for the stomach and stomachs for the foods. But God will destroy both of them. So no matter how well we eat, or how bad we eat, or how bad we think you eat, and how well I think I eat, it, don't, it does not matter. It will all be dealt with. It will all become a non-issue. 
Now, the body is not for sexual immorality. Or the word here is pornea. And we're in the old King James. And I choose to use this word because it's a more harsh on my mind. And when it comes to separating myself from things that will bring destruction, I'd rather have a harsh word to my mind versus a soft thing like, well, sexual immorality. That's, I don't even know what that means now because it's... But he called it fornication, and, uh, which is where we get the word pornea, where we get the word pornography. It has anything to do with sex outside of marriage. The marriage bed is undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. We used to say it was simple. A fornication is sex before marriage, outside of marriage. Adultery is sex in a out, 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 coming out from under a marriage covenant, breaking the covenant, and having sex with someone else. Uh, and we now know that Jesus called it the heart, that the heart was just doing it. So uh, now let's continue on because this, there's a reason for this. And sandwiched in the best promise that we'll ever find is God dealing with some, with Paul, through Paul, dealing with something that we have to hear. He says, and God both, no, wait, wait, back up. Let me just, yeah. Food, yeah. Uh, the, the body is not for fornication, sexual morality, but for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. So he's, he's, he's taking claim of our body upon our calling upon his name and coming to dwell in our heart by faith, he said, okay, the body's mine. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up with his power. So we are, I don't know about you, but you're, aren't you, you're aware that we're not in that glorified body yet. I'm looking forward to the glorified body. I'm, I'm looking forward to the passions and lust of this planet and sin to no longer be part of what I have to carry in my suitcase or the trunk of my car because sin is in the flesh according to Romans 8. It was condemned to the flesh. So if I, so you go, uh, I, I think I've been so long with the Lord I don't think I'm going to sin anymore. Just get in the flesh. You'll have no problem. That's what we used to say in the Pentecostal. I got in the flesh. What does that mean? I was no longer in the spirit. <laughs> and therefore the flesh began to flow its way, its old way, the same way it's always been. Well, then he goes on. You've got to keep going. Did you not know, do you not know, that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot, prostitute? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined, glued to a harlot is one body with her. For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. So here we know that consummation, intercourse, is making us one flesh. So uh, we used to, you know, back in the days when Brian was in our youth group, we would talk about the idea that your body does not know if it's married. It it's, does not know. It, in fact, it gets close enough to anyone. It says, I'm ready. Let's do it. 
because it's just the way the body is made to come alive. The younger you are, the more alive it'll come, the faster it'll come. Any case, he says, the two shall become one flesh. Now, this is, a, this is now where we got to, God wants to do something to bring a lot of freedom for all of us today for the new season we're going to go into. Now, that literally means then, in fornication, and if we have to, which I believe we have to acknowledge, that fornication inside of pornography, lusting after a woman, lusting at, whoever you are lusting after, because it's so perverse now. And it's gotten so perverse because we, the church, have imbibed the spirit of fornication. Now, fornication was not something that just happened uh, it, recently in the sex revolution of the 60s. It's been present. It was present when Israel left Egypt and when Balaam had been hired by Balak to curse Israel and couldn't because there was no ability to curse whom God had blessed. So Balaam then instructed the king of Moab, Moab and said, I'll tell you what you're going to do. Bring them into worshiping your idols and start letting them have sex with each other. And then their defense will be gone, they will be compromised, and they will be, a, they will be utterly abhorred by God himself. He will have nothing to do with those. To God, idolatry is adultery. And that's, that's its own, but it's important, you can understand. So in any case, now in Revelation, we hear the same story. Jesus speaking to two of the churches. He says, one of them, he says, you've got, you're holding the doctrine of Balaam, who, could, who taught God's servants to, commit, to uh, sexual, to uh, sacrifice, eat things sacrificed to an idol, and to and commit uh, fornication. Then, a couple letters later, a couple, or one, let, one church later in the letter, he says, you've got this Jezebel, calls herself a prophetess, and she's teaching the, ch the, the, the church that they're to be able to have idolatry in their life and fornicate. And now there, she's on her way to the sickbed, and everyone who commits that way. So we have to now back up. We're not, I wasn't raised Jewish. I wasn't even raised in the church. So I, had, I was total image of the culture of the 60s and 70s. I imbibed it all. So what do you do with a culture that becomes like that? The one thing God does is he says, I'm calling my children to a standard to live with me, to relate with me, to have oneness with me. And if that's God, just let them know I'm, I'm trying as hard as I can. <laughs> so the church, the Jewish church, was coming alive in faith. And there were believers of the circumcision who said, we're okay with the Gentiles coming into faith, but we don't want them to stay Gentiles. I mean, because they're, they're carrying all kinds of filth, all kinds of... They're very prejudiced toward the separation that had been demanded upon. And so they came together in Acts chapter 15 to say, well, what do we do about that? And we just read yesterday Amos 9 which dealt with how the apostle James came up with the substantiation of the scripture and prophet to express 
the decision that obviously Holy Spirit had initiated by baptizing the Gentiles and getting them filled with the Holy Spirit and, bapt and becoming a people unto God. But they weren't to be circumcised. They didn't have to be circumcised. They weren't going to have to keep the law. They did not have to become Jews to be believers because the Jew believer were both new, one new creation in God, in Christ. So they came up with these rules, and they're, they're, they're absolutely incredibly demanding and very simple. Boy, I must be doing good now. <laughs> the first is, he said, you're not to, you're not to uh, keep ourselves from idolatry. Idolatry and fornication will always go hand in hand. Once you start one, the other will soon find its way. And they begin to empower each other and separate us from God's blessing, fellowship, and, and uh, we start to come under all of its effect. So he said, we're to keep all you need to do, and they wrote the letter, keep yourself from uh, idolatry, from things strangled, eating, you know, instead of draining the blood out of a chicken, you just break its neck and then cook it with the blood in there. But the blood is holy to God because after the days of Noah, when we were given the permission and the, and the need to have to eat meat, he said, you're gonna, I'm going to put the fear of you upon my animal kingdom because you're going to start eating them. But I want you to understand that you're never to eat the, the, the meat with the blood because the blood is the life. And that's where we get in the Old Testament and New Testament the word soul. That's where the soulish the soul part of the animal is inside the blood. So don't touch it. So drain it. Drain it. So they come back with to not to keep yourself from idolatry, from things strangled, or from blood. And later it just becomes simplified as the New Testament goes on to keep yourself from blood. Which, thank God, if you live in America, we have a pretty good Western belief that we drain the blood. So that's one thing. That's... A, one out of the three, we're already okay culturally. The third thing was fornication. So when a new believer came into faith, they were said, we've got Jesus as your vindication, as your sanctification, your sin is forgiven, you are now to be a part of his, his community, his family, hear the scriptures, learn about who he is, grace. And there's only three things we need you to watch out for. If you keep yourself from these three, you'll do well. Keep yourself from idolatry, keep yourself from blood, and keep yourself from things, uh, from fornication. And so this is not a new doctrine, and yet the, the reason I want to say to us is the reason the world has gotten so bad is because how bad we got, how much we are like the world. We're a level less but we are possessors of many of these same things. So he's now going back. Uh, can you go back to verse 16? Yeah, it's going to get better. Just hang in with me. <laughs> just, just hang. Do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. That can be undone. We're going to undo that in a minute. Because if you don't undo it, it isn't undone. You're just walking with all kinds of joined relationships with fleshes, people you don't even know where they live anymore if they're even alive. But a simple confession, 
could dismantle all of that because that's the power of what God has accomplished through the Son. It's all in the Son by His blood. So they become a... But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. You see, when we were brought in to the, into Christ and Christ came into us, He was unconditional that I'm coming and I'm not leaving and I will be present with you continually till, I re, till you're fully redeemed and the body's repurchased. And so he says, flee sexual immorality or fornication. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality or fornication sins against his own body. So that's why sex sins are worse than others. They just have a debilitating power to our, to our body to function in the freedom that we've been given in Jesus Christ. But again, we can deal with these, and we will very quickly. Do you not know, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? So, I, I, Holy Spirit never leaves. So if I go off into fornication, he comes with me. If I go off into gossip or maligning or speaking evil or, or wrath or mouth, he's there, and it grieves him. But he doesn't leave me because he's able to stay because I've been separated because of Jesus Christ. So it's a beautiful thing. But he said, don't you know that your body's the temple of the Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own. So once I asked Jesus in the heart and live, live eternal life, I had, he took my body. He said, it's mine now. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So here's where we are. I don't want to stop here because Paul didn't stop and start another chapter. Go to chapter 7, verse 1. It's about four verses, and then we'll deal with this. Uh, chapter 7, verse 1. He gives instructions, which I think we just want to keep hearing because a lot of times the reason things are so wicked and perverse is because things are so unfunctional in the, in the union of marriage, especially in the, in the marriage bed. Now, concerning the things of which you wrote to me, now he's now going to address, but it's inside the same conversation. Is it good for a man not to touch a woman? He said, well, uh, now, uh, nevertheless, because of sexual verse verse 1, I must have missed a part. Okay, now concerning the things which you wrote to me, is it good there for a man, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. He was an espouse of celibacy. He was called as a celibate. He saw the value of it, the freedom of it. The whole chapter is dedicated to that. And later on, he explains all the reasons why you may not ever want to be married. But right now he's dealing with, nevertheless, because of fornication, because of sexual immorality, because your body doesn't, is, is meant to reproduce. Let each man have his own wife, and each woman have her own husband. And let the husband render to his wife the affection due her. And likewise, also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, a husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. So there's no sexual blackmail. 
bedroom blackmail. There's no, you're not, you didn't do what I asked you to do, so I'm withholding this from you. That's just its own form of prostitution, harlotry, and control. So he said, no, 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 no. You, you're, this is a real need, and it's a real part of intimacy. It's a real part of oneness. When we were young, when I would counsel with anyone, I try to explain things. This is basically it. In your and my marriage, we will have three things that will challenge us. Uh, communication, money matters, and sex. Uh, and I would say to people, if you have a lot of money, then you don't have to be real good at communicating. Just spend money on it. It'll work. It, but if your money is tight when you get started, you got to get really good at communicating because your arguments will be around money and the struggle and the, and the conflict. And what does that say about me? Who am I? And it just, so you got to talk. Everything about the union of marriage and the union of God is communication. It was never meant to be anything but fellowship. It was made by what Jesus did. Now we've been brought into relationship that we can have fellowship. And when I was young and I would be bothered and thinking in my mind about anything that was just causing me to worry, Cammie in our young early days, she could tell that I was worrying over something because I got quiet. So then she would say, what are you thinking about? And right then, I'm thinking about something that I am embarrassed to think about. Not necessarily anything in the fornication or idolatry, but maybe it's just worry. Maybe it's just, a, uh, I, I, I don't know that, um, I, I'm jealous of this person. I'm angry at that. You know, all of those things. And I had to learn that if she caught me thinking something I didn't want her to know I was thinking, I needed to tell her what I was thinking. Because I used to say, oh, nothing. What do you think about? Oh, nothing. And so we didn't have communication. That's why if Jesus says to, to Adam, where are you, Adam? It isn't because he doesn't know where Adam is. He wants Adam to say, I heard your voice. I was naked. I'm afraid. And I went and hid. Then God can say, okay, who told you you were naked? Did you eat the tree? No, it really wasn't me. It was a woman. She made me eat it. Well, then you start to break the thing down, communication. So, uh, therefore, we're, honey, uh, talk about sex because sex is the highest form of communication in a marriage. What do I mean by that? I'll put it this way. Uh, when you get married and communication is good, sex is good because sex is a form of communication. Or when the communication stops working right, sex is the first thing to leave. Because it's like, you've got, we've got issues that we can't even talk about, and you want to have sex with me? No, thank you. Or no, honey, I'm not interested because I've got other things on my mind. Which is then why fornication and pornography have gone rampant, because you could actually have a relationship with anybody and have as much intimacy as you want, but no responsibility. And it just, it just mushrooms. Anyway, he goes on and says, don't do that. You, you don't have authority over your body. If, if your wife wants to be with you, be with her. And honey, you don't have authority over your own body. If your husband wants to be with you, be with him. And then he goes on and he says, but um, uh, do not deprive one another except with consent for a time. 
that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of the lack of self-control. So I wanted to add that because we have to, we want to become functional, don't we? Whole. We want our relationships to reflect the relationship we get to have with Jesus Christ. We want our marriages to be healthy. And, we, and so communication, sex and money, uh, and sex will be a thermometer. It will tell you the temperature of a marriage. And, and, it, it's, and you're going, oh, I don't know how I feel about all that with me and my honey. Then that's a good place to start talking. Communication, again, is always the way you start to unpack an awkward disconnect, which we're going to do now. So we can confess our sin, and he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. And forgiveness is so powerful because it just undoes what was done. It dismantles it. It removes its power, its stain, its shame, its blame, its control. We used to talk about that not only is fornication joining of the body, when you go into a relationship that breaks or is entangled in fornication or then later dismantles in broken communication, you can end up still in a tie with your soul to that person. And that soul tie makes you so you're impacted by them even though you have no responsibility to them. The, the, the control's still there. So what we would teach is that you have to acknowledge this relationship was not God's will. It was not, not, not done in God's way. And by confessing the sin of fornication, of, of giving myself over to someone, that, and, and, uh, and again, idolatry often gets them. They're all mixed up value systems. I, we have our special belief systems. Usually all of that's not God, except the Bible. Anything outside of the Bible, it's, you're going to have to bring me back to the Bible to find the ability for me to believe that is God and not just part of the ebb and flow of, of culture, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the world system. So we're going to take a moment, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to embarrass anyone, not going to ask anyone. I think this is a cleansing thing. I think it's <clears throat> always good to cleanse ourselves. We take showers. If you get the filth of the flesh off, we should take showers in the, in the Word of God and in the, in the blood of the Lamb to get rid of the residue. So if I fornicated and I haven't confessed it, if my marriage was in that place or if I, this was something that happened so many years ago, but now this somehow I just feel locked in to an old thought. I can't get rid of somebody out of my mind. All I think about, I feel so bad. I don't feel, I don't feel like I can be... Uh, uh, I'm honest with the one I'm married to, or I'm just caught in uh, I, uh, this whole visual world of, of sex is more interesting to me than anything, and I don't know how to get out of it. We're just going to confess it. We're going to call it sin, and we're going to ask Jesus by his blood to dismantle it, and we're going to command it all to go away. And God's going to do it today for all of us. For every one of us, no matter who we are, where we were, or who we were with. Whoa. So, if you'll allow me, if you'll follow, if this is, will be your prayer, you pray after me, and I'll pray the prayer, you pray after me, 
Make it your prayer, and God will hear you, and God will vindicate you in Christ's blood and dismantle all structures that have been forged through that unholy union. Wow! And then we're going to get filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the promise. We're going to get rid of the bad and let the good come in fullness. So, yeah, yeah. So let's say, pray. Let's just pray this prayer. Just sincere. Just close your eyes if you want. Just be, be alone with the Lord. And I'll say it, then you say it. That'll be your prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ who became sin for me and the curse and the judgment and all the condemnation. And I believe you raised him from the dead. And I was vindicated, justified, made righteous, accepted in the beloved when you did that. I thank you. I was made one spirit with the Lord. And my body is his. And I return my body to you, Lord. And so I ask you, Holy Spirit, to help me to remember, confess, and f let go and forgive all sexual union, all fornication, all immorality of sex, that I've ever been involved in or have been done against me. Abuse when I was young. Others who took advantage of me. I ask now, in Jesus' name, dismantle, forgive, release, set me free from all fornication, from all pain, all hurt, wounding, soul ties, lies about who I am. I declare in Jesus' name, I am guilty. And against you and you only, Lord, have I done this wickedness. That you may be just when you speak and blameless when you judge. In the name of Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for this fornication, for this sin. And if you have a name, give the name. Or the way, the, the way things happened. So, so many times things just don't, we don't mean to be there. We just end up that way. But still, just declare. And this may not happen all right now. It could take days. But that's okay. Holy Spirit's just always, we're always fully accepted in the beloved. It's just now he's liberating us from the darkness. So,
I used to always, I'd remember something of my past life, and I'd call, I'd call to remembrance, and I'd say, Lord, I just have this memory of this person, this event, this situation, and I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me from that. I ask you in the name of Jesus that the blood would dismantle any ties and any control or any lingering death, and I receive your forgiveness. And then I would forgive the person whether I was a perpetrator or perpetrated against, I forgive. I dismail. I release them. Let them go forth in a beautiful life. I let them know. And I would just wash the word and the water and the blood that sprinkle my heart from an evil conscience. And so that's why you don't feel like you have to close this prayer and not readdress something that comes up to your mind later today or tomorrow. Or, because how can we know all that? It takes us a lifetime to get where we are. Sometimes it takes a few weeks to get out of it. <clears throat> but having said that, raise your hands together. Let us, let us receive. So we'll pray again. Heavenly Father, I receive forgiveness, the remission of sin. I receive redemption by your blood, Jesus. Take me out of all manner of wickedness, evil, idolatry, and fornication. I receive the washing of the water over my body of the Word. I receive my heart sprinkled from an evil conscience. I am free. You are my freedom. I have no righteousness, but what has been given me, I receive wholeness. And this is the vision that God gave me when I was very young. He said, I want you to not, maybe you were not a virgin when you got married because of your past sins before you got saved, but here's the deal. I consider you pure. Uh, you may not be innocent, but now you are pure. And so, Lord, lift up our hands. We receive your purity. We receive your purity. Oh, 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 he's coming. He's coming. One last prayer, then we can go into worship. Holy Spirit, come fill my body with your glory, with your healing, with your deliverance with your new life I receive Holy Spirit baptism speaking in tongues praise I receive you Holy Spirit I glorify you Jesus I receive you Holy Spirit I glorify you Jesus I receive you Holy Spirit I glorify you, Jesus. I just stand. Yeah. Let him happen. Let him happen. Let him happen. Let him release. Sometimes it's tears. Sometimes it's shouts. Sometimes it's crying. It's just the move of God to dismantle what is no longer ours to carry because we are made whole. Whoa. Let him come.
say to me I want to pronounce I want you to pronounce the remission of sin I want you to pronounce the new marriage covenant I've made with my church and I want everybody to know that I knew what you would do before you did it and I still decided I'd rather you find me in my son than control you in a cage I'm not busy about slavery. I'm here to make you mine. You're my sons, my daughters. You've chosen me. So there is no shame. There is no blame. You don't have to say if that person or this person, oh, no, it's where we find Jesus. It's the testimony. He's so good. So here, in this hour, as we go on into this week, I declare the covenant God has made with us that you, Father, in the Son, put your laws into our minds and you write them on our heart. That no one goes telling one another what to do or how to do it. For all of your sons and daughters know you. Why? Because you are merciful to our unrighteousness and our sins and lawless deeds you remember no more. We receive not only forgiveness, but in our relationship with Father, with Jesus, with Holy Spirit, with one another, we receive forgetfulness. Hallelujah! You don't remember. You don't remember. So now, allow us to advance in fellowship, walking in the light as you're in the light, letting their blood continue, purging, cleansing, healing, delivering, knowing that there is a union that we've been brought into. In Jesus' name, you just kind of hold up your hands. I believe he's putting on a new, a new bridal, new bridal attire, new gowns, new mantles, doesn't matter. He's taken off the old. Now the new comes on. The newness. It does, it, it, it's, it's just so good. Jesus. Jesus, you're so good. Thank you. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. You may go out in the love of the Lord. Continue in worship, fellowship together.